The powers that be are starting to hype monkeypox as the next COVID. It ain't. Not at all. We explain why in this show. And because now is the time of the year to start planning out your late summer and early fall canning, we thought this would be a good time to give you an overview of home canning so you can decide if this is something you'd like to do this year. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0, joined by my co-host on the show and co-host in life, Glenn Tate. I have a question for all of our listeners. What do monkeypox and home canning have in common? Absolutely nothing. And we just realized there are two great topics for a show that would be of interest to preppers. So that's why we are putting those two topics together. We're not even going to try to segue into a logical transition between the two. Not even highly trained podcasters like ourselves are capable of that one. But before we go into that, I wanted to mention to you, I want you to picture a barber shop in Texas. Picture that in your mind. And the barber has a shotgun. Why? Well, Uvalde school shooting, one of the guys in the chair, one of the guys getting his hair cut, was a Customs and Border Patrol agent who heard the gunshots, didn't have a long gun, grabbed the barber's shotgun, with the barber's permission, of course, and rushed in and was one of the heroes who shot the piece of human scum who was shooting all those kids. Now, why do I bring this up? Because you might be sitting in a barber chair and it just enjoying your day. And now all of a sudden you're in an active gunfight and you may need self-defense insurance. That's where U.S. Law Shield comes in. You can go to our website, prepping2-0.com, friends and uh, affiliates, and click on the U.S. Law Shield banner. Use the prep code, or the, pardon me, the coupon code PREP, and you will get two extra months of insurance. You'll get 14 months for the price of 12. It's about 100 bucks a year covers everything you guys are going to need this kind of coverage because you never know when you're sitting in a barber chair and next thing you know you're slaying bad guys and now of course being a federal agent he's not going to have charges brought against him but i can guarantee you if you were a regular person you might be facing a criminal inquiry and you need insurance for that well the powers that be are starting to hype monkeypox as the next covid it ain't Not at all. We explain why in this show. And because now is the time of the year to start planning out your late summer and early fall canning, we thought this would be a good time to give you an overview of home canning so you can decide if this is something you'd like to do this year. Shelby, do you have some things to tell the folks? I do. So just in a few days, for those of you who live in this area of the country where we live, which is in western Montana... June 4th, that's coming up here in a few days, there's the Darby Rodeo. Darby is a small town on the, gosh, you're almost into Idaho, southern west side of Montana. It's also where some scenes from Yellowstone have been filmed. Oh, yeah. Um, the town is mentioned often in the show if you're hooked on it as much as we are. Darby Rodeo is considered the Yellowstone Rodeo. It's sort of sponsored and organized by Taylor Sheridan, who's the creator of Yellowstone. So who knows? For those of Glenn and I are going to go on June 4th, who knows? We might get a little glimpse of Kevin Costner or Luke Grimes or Beth Dutton. I forget that actress's name. Who cares what her real name is? I know. Her name is Beth to the all of us, right? So we're going to be there. If you by any chance are going to be there. In Darby, Montana on June 4th. Odds are your average listener will not be there. Send us a message one of the various ways. The one way you cannot send a message is to Glenn on Facebook. He doesn't use it. Yeah. Send us an email, send a message to me, Shelby, on Facebook or email, and we'll have a little partay. Yeah, we'll be looking out for you. And Shelby also wanted to mention Prepping for Kids and Prepping for Teens, where she reads some great books that are aimed at kids and teens, respectively. There's two different shows. They appear as video bonus shows for Patreons at the $5 and up level. It's a great way to get your kids or teens, and you may have them as your kids. They may be grandkids. They may be nieces, nephews. It could be basically anybody. As long as they're kids or teens, it's a great wholesome way to use a story 
to engage their minds into a prepping mindset without having like zombies running around eating people's faces. Absolutely. We don't, so. we don't do that for kids. It's been a lot of fun. We're about ready to wrap up our first set of books. We're going to go into the next one here soon. The other one, quick reminder, July 30th in Missoula. We're going to have our Prepping 2.0 picnic, Palooza in Missoula. Little detail. The Missoula City Parks are going to charge a gazillion dollars to the taco truck sort of vendor that we were going to have coming. So please bring food. Yeah. Bring a picnic. We might even try and do somewhat potluck style if you want to bring something to share. We'll feed each other. We're preppers. We got this. We so got July it. 30th at the Bella Vista Pavilion at the Fort Missoula State Park. I wanted to quickly add, if you are struggling with the communications element of your preps, because ham radio seems like a complicated thing that you don't want to learn, quite honestly, because you're not interested in it. Hey, why not have some electronic flashcards that are designed to teach preppers what they need to know about ham radio without all the stuff they don't need to know? It's a handy thing. It's called PAM Radio. I wrote the cards. Um, PAM-radio.com. PAM-radio.com. And you can download the electronic cards. They're a great way to teach yourself and or teach members of your mutual assistance group about a topic that is vitally important and too often is overlooked because it's perceived to be too doggone complicated. It's not. I mean, you know me. I'm going to break it down and, and describe things in normal people speak. So anyway, Pam Radio is a great thing, so go ahead and check it out. Well, let's get into it. Shelby's going to kick off our discussion. Shelby, who is not a licensed physician, of no. course, but you don't need to be a licensed physician to understand monkeypox, as we will get well, into Well, if you it. have common sense, you got it. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. So, Shelby, you've undertaken a study of monkeypox. Okay, a study might be too, too grand of a, a word. I watched a video. Okay, okay. <laughs> and I'm going to share yeah. it with you all. Yeah, go ahead and tell folks about monkeypox, and I'll kind of interlace color commentary, especially on the topic of why this this is not going to affect anybody listening to this directly affect anybody. But if the government tries to do like a COVID nonsense tries to thing, try do some monkey business. Oh, I see what you did there. If they try that, that could affect you. Exactly. If there's mandatory vaccines and, and lockdowns and, and all this other stuff that could affect you. But directly getting monkeypox for reasons that Shelby can explain and I can uh, put exclamation points on is not a real direct health concern for our listeners. So through a friend of a friend, I watched a video here in the last few weeks by Dr. Zog, and that is Z-O-G-G. He has a podcast. He has a YouTube channel. I'm forgetting what it's called, but if you just put him in your search engine, you'll find him. Not a lot of other Dr. Zogs. No, it's not real common name, and Mm -hmm. I don't think that's even his real name. And he is no longer directly in the healthcare business because he didn't like how healthcare was going. So he does one of these alternative thinking different about the healthcare world that we live in. I wouldn't say he's necessarily one of us, but I like how he looks at current medicine critically. So he did a breakdown of what the heck is going on with monkeypox. It is, uh, it doesn't kill like smallpox. Um, although for uh, places around the world that have really poor health care, it can have a fatality rate of 1% to 10%. That's places, third world country kind of thing. We're talking villages and huts like Africa. And many of these sort of pox things come out of Africa because it's a great um, sweaty, hot environment to create such a thing. Um, early symptoms of monkeypox that are different than smallpox you're going to get all the fluey i don't feel good symptoms swollen lymph nodes that's one of the big things but how do you how do you really know you have it it's those blistery pussy lesions that you've seen pictures of we have had sporadic outbreaks of uh, monkeypox since 1970 what's really cool for those of us who are over 50 um, smallpox is a pox and that was deadly um it has almost been eradicated in the world and many of us have the scar on our on our upper shoulder lower well on our upper arm um and what and that was the vaccine that created a little blister that created the scar if you have that you have some so quite a bit actually immunity according to dr zog because there is cross immunity with that in fact if you were to be tested for monkeypox you would show positive because you have those antibodies in you which is kind of cool so you mean the tests are not accurate and over represent people that allegedly have a a, a disease oh my goodness where have we seen that in a way you do have it because you have the antibodies in you right so um you do have some immunity this 
monkeypox is particularly going to is strikes, and this is where um, we're going to get co- color commentary from Glenn here. Strikes men right now where it's striking is men between the ages of 20 and 50. Why? Because they're under 50. They haven't had the smallpox. Um, and they're more vaccine. likely to be gay. And, and yeah, because we'll talk about the two super spreader events that really knocked this whole thing off. Um, so that's giving you a little bit of history. Here's um, how you get <laughs> how you get it. Okay. This is where Glenn is going to jump in. I'll focus on how you don't get it, but she'll focus right. on how you get how it. How you do it is, um, is, is the rash. Now, I, the, that rash, that that blistery, those pictures that boils you see, the boils that are that have fluids attached to them, yeah. you have to really kind of touch those a lot and like rub up against them and touch them and, and and have them touch you. That makes it so that monkeypox has a very low what they call R not number. It's transmission rate. It's transmission rate. Whereas me with COVID, just by sneezing and putting. Uh, microscopic you know water in the air by sneezing i can infect in one sneeze seven or eight people because of such a very specific way that monkeypox is transmitted by the exchanging of that gross fluid um it, the r naught is less than one it's very difficult to get it um hmm. it has to be person to person direct contact with the fluid the um and it can be things like um, objects, bedding, um, you know, uh, sharing clothes. I don't know. Um, it's not considered an STD, but um, sexual contact sexual contact is the a very good way to contract it. Right now, outside of Africa, there's 120 cases. 100% of them are men who have had a recent history of having sex with other men. Um, hmm. And I'm just stating the fact. So in uh, going, so right now with something like this, you're going to see dwindling immunity because of the factors I just talked about. You have to; it doesn't have a high R not value, and it's really difficult to get. So um, reasons to worry, according to Doctor Zog. If this is if if you fall into this category, this is where Glenn's going to jump in. It, this if you want to worry about this. If you fall into one of these uh, categories, you need to worry. Um, if you have been to Africa recently, if you have the symptoms, especially the swollen lymph, lymph nodes and traveled to Africa, um, if you are immunocompromised, if you've had men-on-men sex in Africa or Europe, you're going to talk about this, um, there is known treatment, generally speaking, in places with good health care. You just kind of write it out. And you can get tested with a PCR test that's going to test the juice of the blisters that you have on you, at which point, if you don't know that you have monkeypox at that point, you're, you're not thinking straight. But the truly, the only people that have this um, problem right now are men between the ages of 20. And I'm, and I'm not trying to be homophobic or anything. This is the hard facts. These are actual facts. 20 to 50 years old. You've, ha- you've been to Africa recently or you've been to one of two very specific spreader events that happened in, in Europe. We're going to talk about that. And they were gay men sort of events. And you've traveled and been around any of these people and you've shared uh, and you've shared a very intimate contact with them and that you've rubbed up, you've touched, you've you've gotten that juice on them on yourself. So. Here is Dr. Glenn and Dr. Shelby's home. No, test. no, no. This is Dr. Glenn's. OK, Dr. Glenn's <laughs> home test to see if you are at risk for monkeypox. We call it the acute test. Did you go to a gay festival in Brussels, Belgium and see acute Kenyan guy? That is what it probably takes for you to have monkeypox and or to be a spreader of it. It is very limited. And by the way, we're using we're using sort of um, softer language mm-hmm. here because we know a lot of kids listen. And so, um, you know, we, we hope we're not upsetting kids by this description, but people need to know um, that there are a variety of reasons not to engage in the kind of behavior that was engaged upon um, to create this, yeah. to create this and to spread this. So that is our home test for monkeypox. The other thing that uh, that should be bothersome, and we talked about this at the very beginning, when you have the president of the United States saying, thank you, everyone should be concerned, everyone. Oh, really? No, they really shouldn't. You and I, you and me, Glenn, you and I, listeners, really 
don't we're not part of a very specific segment of our population that really truly does need to be worried about it at all. We do not need to be worried about it at all like we did with COVID. So where I get concerns when you have a president saying that and then people start start pulling out the mandatory word, a mandatory mm-hmm. what were you all gonna wear gloves or testing what? and vaccines and and lockdowns and blah blah blah. That's where I get concerned. So um, our president needs to get kind of his, his mind wrapped around this. A he little needs bit. to get a mind, yeah, number if, one. But there you we'll, go. I'll start with that. But that's where, as we as preppers need to keep our eyes out. What is government going to do? And exactly. what and, the, and how are they going to create this to work for them to create the panic that they have before? And on that point, I created a meme. I'm very proud of it. The idea came from someone else, so I can't take credit for it. It said monkeypox. The K is silent which means it's money Money pox, pox. which means the pharmaceutical people and the government are going to profit from the completely irrational fear. By the way, I thought the left is always saying it's conservatives that spread irrational fear and fear mongering. Um, Not on monkeypox. As you can tell from this show, we're pretty much saying it's not going to affect you guys directly. What is going to affect you is the reaction by government. And so... And, and another thing that this this entire monkeypox uh, attempted hysteria is what I'll call it because I don't think in all well, in all capital- honesty it's capitalizing on a panic. That's what government's really good at right now. And I don't think it's actually working to be honest. No, I think it's so. Yeah. We're not telling you that the United States is going to be locked down because of monkeypox. That's that's not what we're saying. We're saying that there is a possibility of government overreach. But here's the actually kind of cool thing about the reaction to monkeypox not that there's anything cool about the actual illness because it hurts people and that's not cool but the cool thing is nobody believes the media or the cdc or former vice president biden which is uh, his official title in my opinion nobody believes him anymore in and there was a a meme that I stole from somebody by the way a, a side note about memes they're awesome when I was a kid I love to do editorial cartoons. Yes, I was a very odd child. Yes, I was. I would do editorial cartoons, which require you to be good at art, which I'm not. (laughs) So I would always, I would stumble on the whole part about drawing the cartoon. I had the content down. It was the drawing part. Not a problem anymore. You just find a cool picture or better yet, you find a meme and you save it to your phone and then you do a post about it and then people share it. It is the easiest time in history for people to have Uh, for the masses to have the ability to send out what are effectively editorial cartoons. So back to the meme uh, involving monkeypox. The one I put up was, uh, you got to picture this. It's it's an orangutan on a tricycle chasing this little kid. And the little kid is terrified, which kind of isn't funny because you're terrifying a kid. I find orangutans on tricycles to be terrifying myself. So it's this little kid who is running away from the monkey pox or pardon me running away from the orangutan on the tricycle and it says under the little kid one of the 11 people who still believe the mainstream media amen that was my point with that so i think i think we're going to wrap this up here i think we're going to see the monkey pox craze pox craze kind of fizzle out i think we've we've seen our government try to put some teeth on it and it didn't work so we're going to move on they're going to move on to the next crisis but keep taking your vitamins folks the word variance is always in the in oh, yeah. the cycle, and there and with the flu season coming in the fall, keep taking your vitamins, ladies and gentlemen. Just saying. All right, so we're going to move on, right? We certainly are. We are going to start very briefly the topic of home canning. We will then finish it. Well, we will continue it in segment two, and then, as usual, and we don't plan this, although it works out well for us. The really cool stuff will be in the after show, which is available Mm -hmm. to Patreon supporters. Two bucks a month to get the after show. Um, Comes out to 50 cents an after show. They're usually a half hour long. You know, that's a couple pennies per minute um, for your after show. So home canning. Let's see. Let's set the table here. Literally. Ha ha. Ah. Well, okay. I'll set the table. How about that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. we're only going to touch on the big picture items. We're only going to give you an overview of the topic for a couple reasons. Number one, time is limited. I mean, it would be like a four-hour podcast about home canning. Second of all, this is audio only. 
you would really need video if it came down to how many minutes you cook something at and and different you know meal suggestions and all these other things there's a very visual component to the details so we're not going to try the details because we don't have the video so it's only going to be an overview and there's a timing aspect to this why do this 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 will air june 1st 2022 why do a an overview of home canning in early june shelby i think you know the reason oh absolutely because everything's starting to grow if you're growing a garden right now you know your peppers are starting to grow come up your tomatoes are starting to get big your cucumbers are starting to send out their vines things are going to start things are starting to grow and they're starting to get a little big and you're seeing the future the future says july august september are going to be very fruitful which is great now is the time to start planning. If you don't have that happening because you, for whatever reason, you don't have a garden, I fall into that category. I don't have a garden this year, but I'll find. But what I do have going for me is a really decent farmers market nearby. Neighbors who have some apple trees. I have a way to get a hold of a harvest for really inexpensive that I can can come about August, September, October. Yeah. And the other reason we're doing just an overview is that most of you listening are at the phase where you're deciding whether this is something you want to undertake. Yes. And and by undertake, the timeline would be actually doing the canning in late summer and early fall. You can start planning now. You can start planning now. You can figure out, as I say, if this is something you want to do and then start assembling some of the equipment that's required. There are a couple books that we're going to talk about on the other side of the segment. And you can just kind of get your stuff in a in a row here. You can get your your ducks in a row. That's what uh, I mean. There you go. There you go. Ducks in a row. And you can start figuring out if it's something you want to do. And we're going to, as I say, not give you all the details because, well, I'll tell you why we're not going to give you the details. I've already started this. I'll I'll add another one onto it. And that is when you're goofing around with food safety, when it comes to the possibility of getting sick, which almost never happens with home cooking or home canning that you do correctly, by the way, we'll get into that on the other side of the break. But when it comes to food safety, we're not going to say, go ahead and guess. We're not going to say, oh, home canning raw pork yeah i don't know it was either 20 minutes or 45 minutes to cook it all the way through i don't know what's the difference you go ahead and find out no we're not going to do that to you so we don't want to be unsafe i mean that would be completely counter to i mean a a really bad survival plan is getting uh debilitating food poisoning that's really not a good survival thing especially in peacetime when you don't have to especially when there are books that tell you exactly what you need to do and there are youtube videos that do well, the same i was same. just gonna say books coupled with nowadays we have youtube oh my gosh there's some great websites out there so folks we're going to really dive into this after the break want to give a really awesome shout out to some of our great sponsors jared savick you can find him over at redstaterealtors.com he will help you find a great place to relocate to in montana great guy other sponsors, Katie Armour, great folks over there, Backwoods Home Magazine, uh, My Kind CBD, Minutemen Coffee, mm. I've got quite a bit of that coursing through my system right now, EMP Shield. Folks, you can find all of these great folks over on our website at prepping2-0.com. Click on Friends and Affiliates and find a great coupon code. Don't go away. We'll see you after the break. More of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love new mana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. 
Abe Lincoln here. In 1773, patriots broke the chains of British tyranny by throwing tea into Boston Harbor. On that day, Americans began drinking coffee. We celebrate that event daily here at Minutemen Coffee. All men are created equal. <laughs> coffee is not. Minutemen Coffee is roasted to perfection in small batches. Bold, smooth, and never bitter. Shipped to you fresh daily. Whole bean, ground, or our patented pods. www.minutemencoffee.com when the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself. And save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it, makes solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Looking to meet other like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own prepper group? Already have a group? Join PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet has gathered the biggest names in the industry to help unite preppers everywhere. Join John Jacob Schmidt, Scott Hunt, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, Glenn Tate, Shelby Gallagher, Charlie Hogwood, Samuel Culper, Survivor Jane, Rick Austin, Franklin Horton, Ryan Mitchell, and Brian Duff. Our team is united. Check us out at PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. PrepperNet.com. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Welcome back, everyone. Shelby Gallagher here. All right, we're going to dig in. One awesome reason the home can and why a lot of people started doing it and why Walmart started running out of canning jars two years ago is because it's a great way to prepare food, a lot of it, pretty quickly and cheaply. I'd like to add to yeah. that. It's a great way to preserve food, which is what Shelby said. And it's easier than you think. Yes. Which we're going to show you by giving you this overview. And also, you know how we love layering when it comes to food preps. We're big fans of that concept of layering, which for new listeners, and there are a lot of new listeners every single episode. So we will say layering means you have different kinds of food preps. It applies to other kinds of preps too, but mainly food. You have some MREs, you have some freeze-dried food, you have some home canned food, you have some stuff in a freezer, and you don't put all your, pardon the pun, eggs in one basket. You have different kinds of food that have different qualities to them. And so they come in handy in different settings. And again, you don't put all your eggs in one basket. But before I go into that, I wanted to, speaking of food and food layering, tell you about Numana Foods. Numana, N-U-M-A-N-N-A. Think of it as manna from heaven that is new, but they didn't do the N-E-W, they did the N-U, right? Kind of kind of the hip thing, you know, the N-U for new instead of... And you can find them on our website, too. Exactly. What is that website, Shelby? Prepping2-0.com. Friends and Affiliates page, look for New Mana. They do bulk freeze-dried foods. These are family-sized portions. It's not single-serving, you know, mountain house kind of things. An excellent way to get the freeze-dried food, which lasts for 25 years and counting, by the way. When we say 25 years, that's just when they tested it. I mean, it, it could be 50 years for all we know. We just didn't start putting it aside 50 years ago for the testing. Anyway, to get that freeze-dried food layer of your preps, you have a couple choices. You can buy a $4,000 Harvest Right a food freeze dryer, which we're big fans of and we did we did a show on. Or 
you can um, save the $4,000 outlay and spend a little bit, a whole lot less, and get new mana, freeze-dried food. Uh, they have they have pretty good in-stock availability, unlike a lot of other places. There's been, believe it or not, quite Shortages. a run on freeze-dried food. So go to uh, prepping2-0.com, friends and affiliates page, click on the new mana link, and use the coupon code PREP, lowercase, and you'll get 10% off. And I wanted to mention the fact that we are an affiliate on the Firearms Radio Network. We're very proud to be. I like to do every week a spotlight on one of the 28 great podcasts on Firearms Radio Network. And this week's spotlight is the Off-Road Podcast. You know, there are a lot of overlap items between off-roading and prepping. We did an episode, episode 74, for those of you keeping track at home, which aired on April 1st, 2020, on bug out vehicles. Um, and there's there's a lot to know about this. Um, off-roading and bug out vehicles being pretty similar. And so if you want to learn about bug out vehicles and off-roading, go ahead and give the off-road podcast a try on Firearms Radio Network. Well, back to the topic of home canning. Um, I wanted to also just set some context here and tell you this. There's a reason your grandma probably home canned food. Um, and by the way, we're going to go back to grandma conditions here in the United yes, States, I think. Um, and so th- there was a, a bounty, let's say gardens or hunting and fishing, by the way. Mm-hmm. You can can meat. We'll get into that in a moment. And there was a bounty. You can't eat a thousand tomatoes in in late august yeah and that's what happens they all come ripe all at once exactly paw brings home like we've talked about (laughs) at prepping Uh, for kids brings home an extra elk oh gosh a thousand pounds of meat what do we do yeah and so there's a reason your grandma home cooked and we're gonna give you some of the pros and cons about that let's start off with shelby giving you some of the pros of home canning well like we've just talked about it's a great way to get a big harvest of something get it put away and preserved quickly. I grew up with my mother making jam, um, home canning jam all the time, and we ate it. And then when I was a city dweller living in the city, I thought it'd be kind of fun and bougie, I love that word, to make my own jam. And I would make tons and tons of jams. I would go buy fruit, I spent a lot of money, and I would go buy the jars and and then I- And the sugar. And the sugar and all the pectin, and I made a ton of jam. Did we eat it? Nope. No. Why is that? Did it taste bad? No, it tasted great. Nobody in my family was eating jam. Yeah. Not big PB&J fans. And also now you and I are on a very low sugar. I mean, you're, you're pretty much no sugar. I'm, I'm low sugar diet. And if I ate a big dollop of uh, raspberry, home cooked raspberry jam, um, I'd probably get sick because my system isn't used to that kind of jam in particular. When you make jam, it's about 50% sugar. Yeah. Now it's a great way to uh, preserve calories. We're not we're not anti jam. What? But what I am anti is yes. preserving food that you're not going to use. Thank How you. How much jam have I dumped out? A lot. So, what have I done differently? I don't make jam anymore. If I'm going to make something and I'm going to can it, I I did it a couple of years ago. Um, I didn't have a ton of tomatoes. Here's here's what I'm wanting people to start thinking about. There was a market very near us where we lived in western Washington that I would go find their battered and bruised stuff at the back of the it store. It was like a farmer's market on steroids. It was technically yeah. a regular store, but it was very farmer's market Yeah, and um, I would find... Um, cases like big fruit cases of tomatoes and peppers and bananas the bana- for almost nothing for nothing the bananas i would freeze dry that's another show those tomatoes one case of those in one summer i went and bought them and within a few days i had 80 pints of homemade salsa salsa did you say we use salsa all the time we've almost used all of that up from just a couple of years ago by the way it's fantastically delicious and this brings up another point about home canning is that in general, okay, generalities mm-hmm. are what you need here. In general, home canning is very good for side dishes and condiments. And salsa is a great example. Salsa, home canned salsa, is full of nutrients. It's got all kinds of tomatoes and peppers and onions, and it tastes really good. It's the serving of vegetables. It is. And it is a great thing to home can. In other words, don't, don't expect to home can 
an entire Thanksgiving dinner in one can. Yeah. It's it's not what it's for. It's essentially a lot of side dishes. And uh, an, another, oh, go ahead, dear. Well, and, and there's some exceptions that I want to talk about. I just want to put it out there. The two canning books that I refer to. And, and what are those two books? I'm going to talk about them. First of all, the, the Ball Canning Book. B-A-L-L. B-A, the Ball Blue Book is what it's called. Yeah. They come out with a new edition every couple of years. I encourage you to use something like that as a reference because there's specific cooking and there. Okay. Stop for a moment. I'm going to go into the weeds here just a little bit. So stop me, Glenn, if you need to. Okay. There's two ways to can. You can do hot water bath or you can do pressure canning. That's right. For as a general rule. You need to look in the books to figure this out. You can do fruit, like jam, in a hot water bath. And that includes tomatoes. Tomatoes are a fruit. As have seeds. Tomatoes are a fruit. Yes, don't fight us on this in the comments. No. So, as a general rule, vegetables need to be done in a pressure canner because they have a different acidic level. And that's important to prevent what we were just talking about, getting sick. So, use... A resource like the Ball Blue Book, like the other book that I love called Stocking Up. It is by, let me look here really quick, Carol Carol Hupping, and it's um, a Rodale Food Center book. Stocking Up is the name of the book? Is the name of the book. Great for helping you know, okay, I'm gonna, I want to make some salsa, but I don't know if I should hot water bath it or... And may I interrupt for just yes, a moment please. and give people a little bit of uh, context. Um, the, the water bath method does not involve pressure. It's just boiling water, jars in boiling water, and you can use just a regular old cooking pot for it. Um, Pressure canners, in contrast, uh, as the name implies, involve pressure. And uh, they are are something you need to have a special pressure canner for, and it needs to be a good one. We'll get into all that in a moment. But those are the two things. The pressure canning is for things that really, really need to be cooked and brought up to a, a specific temperature. And uh, that, that can only be done through pressure. Yeah. That can only be done through pressure. And so uh, you can can raw meat in a pressure canner. And if you tried that in water bath canning, uh, you would end up uh, getting very, very sick. So this is why the books are important. And there are two forks in the road when it comes to canning, the water uh, bath canning and pressure canning. Mm -hmm. Well, a couple more of the pros of home canning are, and by the way, we are using a draft of our forthcoming book on food preps. Shelby's gone over it. Yes, yes. No offense, dear, but after two months of the draft sitting on on your desk. Oh, hush. Yes, um, we will be coming out with a book uh, sometime, probably in the year 2022, uh, Food Preps 2.0, which is an overview of the food preps element in your preps. And uh, it's it's going to have things on canning and freeze drying and hunting and fishing and smoking and pickling and freezing and store-bought foods and all kinds of the different things. Again, the layering is our key concept. It's gonna talk about storage. It's gonna talk about organizing storage, strategically thinking about storage and inventorying. You can tell we've thought of every single component of the food element to your preps. How did we do this? By living it. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of the mistakes we made are in this book. And so, yes, it'll be coming out. Um, and please give us, you guys have been great with your patience. Yes. Um, you know, 2021 was a hard year for us to do anything except, you know. Live. Live, yeah, <laughs> need Survive. to recover. So back to the pros of home canning. Um, Home canned food has a relatively, relatively long shelf life of several years, especially if you keep it out from the light. And Shelby, what is a uh, high cost, high tech way to keep your home cooked food out of the light? Cover your jars with something like an old blanket, an old towel, a tarp. It's that That, easy? That's why grandma kept canned goods in a cellar or in a pantry in a dark place. Do not put them... Don't do the Pinterest thing and put them out on the shelf and make them look pretty with a pretty little label on it. No, because the light will degrade the nutrient value and cause it to go bad sooner. Another big pro to home canning, and I've never heard anyone else say this, so I'm going to take credit for, Shelby and I are going to take credit for inventing this as an idea. Home canned food is already cooked. 
meaning it can be eaten without any further preparation. Yeah, you can take it right out of it. Just I mean, get a spoon. Get a spoon and eat some jam. You could do that if you wanted to. But the point is, is that unlike other uh, methods of food preservation, take freezing, for example, where you still need to cook stuff. I guess you could freeze cooked stuff, but most people don't. It's all ready to go. And one of the ways to use home canned food, and this is similar to what I said about side dishes and condiments, one of the great uses for home canned food, take um, uh, carrots, for example. You can just dump that home canned can of carrots into a crock pot and make some stew. Now, the versatility of home canned food is not limited to stew ingredients, but I'm just using that as an example. It is a great way to get that nutrition and that flavor and that variety into some other meal you're making. And and you don't have to have a freeze-dried, for example, freeze-dried beef stew, although you can, and that's cool, and that works great, but it's not terribly practical. You don't why have not, to rehydrate it. You just open the can. Why not have some deer meat in the freezer that you cook um, or that you put in a crock pot along with some carrots and some other things that you have home canned and your spices, which is another thing we talk about at great length in our forthcoming book, Food Preps 2.0. And so it is a great way to introduce all these other very important side or accessory dishes. So that's another great pro from home canning. So, and I'm going to add one last one to that. A final pro is that the glass canning jars and some of the lids are specifically Tatler lids. They are T-A-T-T-L-E-R. Look and, it up. And they're in your book series um, are reusable. Yes. So I just, we just went through a couple of jars. I've kept them. I can reuse those jars, um, get a hold of some Tatler lids, get a hold of, and, and the lids. All of us know this. When COVID hit, holy crow. Oh boy. Getting a hold of canning supplies was difficult. I talked to several people two years ago who could not find a pressure canner to save their lives. I'm so glad you and I brought, we each brought one to the marriage. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like a dowry. So if you have one or your grandma has one or someone has one and they're not using it, and just borrow it. Those, these are really... When it comes to the scarcity or it comes to the topic of buying canning supplies, which we'll maybe elaborate a little bit further. Maybe I in will, the after show. I will, I will tell folks a funny story. This is for the single gentleman in the audience. Uh, a great way, and this does not apply to me because I'm very happily married, and I stress very, very happily married. But if you're a single guy, a great way to pick up chicks, if you don't mind me saying, is to go to a place and buy canning supplies. I had an encounter with an attractive lady uh, of my age. This is before I met Shelby. And she saw me with a bunch of canning jars. And all of a sudden, I like went up like two points on the scale. Only two? Oh, probably more. Okay. But she And she said, oh, you can. And I was like, yes, I can. And so, <laughs> ah, um, and so it's a great way because, you know, if you're looking to pick up chicks in the prepping world, um, Go to stores and push carts around with canning jars oh if you word. can find them. <laughs> so we're going to go on to the cons, one of them being you'll, you might meet just Glenn Tate in an aisle somewhere. The cons of home canning, and canning is that we know this. Um, when you're doing this, you're going to do this in large batches, and so you're going to spend a lot of time cutting up the food and getting it ready. You want to make sure that whatever you're using is not rotten. It doesn't have, you know, it's got to be good food. Um, canning uses glass jars, which can break. I've broken many in, of my time, and that, and there's a fragility there. It's not like a can of tuna. And glass jars, if you leave them out in a garage and in Montana, and it's zero degrees for a couple of weeks, uh, they can freeze. They can, yeah. You need they need to be kept in somewhat of a temperate climate. Um, another can is it requires a lot of energy to heat up the cans. There's some people out there. I'm not one of them that are really good at putting a big pot on a fire. Open fire and canning. Good, Good on, on you. you. By the way, another YouTube con. is your place to find those people. Exactly. Um, another con to home canning is that it doesn't preserve all the nutrients yeah. of the food. The best way to uh, preserve about ninety nine percent of the nutrients of food is freeze drying. Now, canning still preserve, preserves a lot of the nutrients that that home canned can it's better than starving of carrots that I mentioned is going to have you know, more than half of the nutrients of the carrots in it. Uh, and the longer they sit on the shelf, even if they are covered by light or not covered by light, covered by a light uh, inhibiting blanket, 
they're going to degrade a little bit more. So that's one of the cons. Okay, and so speaking of cons, so let's think about this. The big, Some of the biggest hindrances to people beginning to can is not trusting that what they're doing is going to be airtight and preserved and they won't get sick. That's where I just want to refer you back to the two good books, Stocking Up and the Ball Blue Book. Cool thing about the Stocking Up book, it has more than just canning in it. It has how to make cheese, how to preserve nuts, root cellaring. It ha- it's kind of a comprehensive, more homesteading book than prepping book. I encourage you to check that out. But... Um, Also, finding fresh foods. If you live in a city and you don't necessarily have a huge garden, finding fresh foods. I encourage you to think outside the box. Don't just go to a local market and spend full price. Look for that friend who has a peach tree or a plum tree or has... um, there's always somebody has an overabundance of either tomatoes or zucchini every summer. Find those people and, and, and experiment. Try something. And you're doing them a favor exactly. by taking that stuff off their hands. And I wanted to emphasize something you said earlier, and that was about a big hindrance is not trusting that the food will remain airtight and preserved. Yeah. I can relate to this. My biggest stumbling block before I decided to learn how to can was... Is this stuff really safe? I don't know what it is. I mean, in this American mindset. Oh, I know mindset, what it is about you. You have a yeah. thing about food. I almost died from salmonella yes. poisoning from rotten turkey when I was a kid. And uh, I have a, a freshness thing. And Shelby teases me, teases me mercilessly about it. Although, Shelby, this morning I revealed to you that the... Um, he used 11-year-old uh, mouthwash. mouthwash. Because it's full <laughs> of alcohol. Shocked. And it's not going to go bad. So anyway. Um, but... This thing, I really want to address this because this is something that's going to stop a lot of people from home canning. Home canned foods, if you do it according to the recipes and the cooking instructions in books, and there's there's room for error too. It's not like you have to get it at exactly 18 minutes because if you do 17 minutes, you're going to die. It's not like that. Mm-mm. And so regular food cooked you know, logically by, by books – Um, by the instructions in books, you're not going to die. Because here's the thing. If there was a mass fatality rate from home canned foods, um, the government would make sure that canning jars were illegal. You don't think they would let a good crisis go to waste. You don't think they would let... And that's how monkeypox is related to canning. Oh my goodness, you pulled it together. Oh, what a beautiful segue. That was great. Unscripted. Absolutely. This is our entire show. (laughs) This is obvious. But um, I... It's kind of like ham radio. I'm not going to go off on a tangent about ham radio, but I'm going to say this. There is a, a, a hindrance. There is a view that this is a hill that is too high to climb. I can't possibly pull this off. Well, your grandma did. Yeah. People all over the world pull this off. So this is doable to you, the listener, and you should get started. You should start experimenting now in the spring mm-hmm. and the early summer and, um, You should get going on it. So we only have a few more minutes. We're going to take this into the after show, but a quick overview for our regular listeners. Shelby, this, I'm going to tell you what I plan on doing this year so that you get an idea. Am I going to make more salsa? No, we still have tons of jars. I would say several more to last is probably until next year. Mm -hmm. Um, I do want to make what I want to make because I know we will use it is a really good, just a tomato sauce. That is a good good for pizza it's good for it's pasta what little we eat of it but it's a good tomato basey salt salt sauce that i can use in just about everything and it's not going to be chock full of high fructose corn exactly. syrup like a lot i was blown away the amount of carbs in in you know some some uh pasta sauce that i was using you were like hey mr low carb low carb guy are you really sure you want to eat this and i went oh geez and no. then he tried some of the low carb ones and it, it's kind of gross yeah. so there you go so we're going to be working on that i also want to work on my own tomato paste mm-hmm. um so find something like that that you know you will eat and try a batch of it or two um you're going to need some equipment. We only have a couple minutes here. Right now, I think if you get on it soon enough, you can mm-hmm. find a hot water bath kit that has the pot, has the rack, has the lifter, has maybe some lids. If you can find a pressure canner, grab it. Mm-hmm. They're going to get scarcer and scarcer. So there is some basic equipment that you're going to need. And we'll go over more of it yeah. in the after show. Yeah. We'll give you a breakdown of what you really need because there's some stuff you don't need. And we have learned from experience Absolutely. what you need and don't need. 
need. What I don't want you to do is make jam and make too much of it yeah. and make and so the other thing and we'll talk about this maybe another time pickles oh yeah don't forget the pickles you can ferment something i've gotten into fermenting the last and fermenting years. is different than home canning just in case you're wondering if we're getting off topic but no. we're we're intentionally getting off but topic. you can ferment some cucumbers make some pickles and then can them fermenting generally lasts those foods last you maybe a year or so and then you can turn around and can them and make them last a little longer really cool things and pickling is a topic that i knew nothing about that is covered in the forthcoming book because shelby just dove into the details of it and made some amazing pickled stuff pickled onions pickled oh, carrots and peppers carrots and peppers what a great that's side what dish. i did during COVID is learn fermenting so yeah. folks we have so we, we need to kind of wrap up here um but i hope this inspires you but surely we did not intend to go over everything canning in one show but i'm hoping that as we're talking about this you're like you know what i could do that this spring i can do that i might go to, I, we joke about it, and I'll say this. We joke about Walmart. Walmart seems to be the place where you can find canning supplies that maybe you can't find elsewhere. I know Azure, Azure Standard, that's another online. A-Z-U-R-E. Yep, look them up. They'll, they do the delivery system. They had a fire at one of their warehouses recently. That was caused by spontaneous corn combustion. Corn they in a refrigerator store unit. It right. Spontaneously burst, which is go. a great way to cover up that uh, a bunch of a bunch of food processing facilities are yep. mysteriously being destroyed right about so now. So they do have some some uh, supplies there as well. Great. So I'm trying to tell you some of the great places to find things. But if you've never canned before, let it be something that you kind of dip your toe into this summer and find some things to do. So we have. Uh, real quick, what else do we need to wrap up I with? just wanted to mention, when it comes to places to get canning supplies, maybe you live in a suburb and you aren't familiar with tractor supply or yes. outfitting or ranch kind of stores or wh whatever part of the country you live in. Um, my point is this. Go ahead and challenge yourself to think about the stores that you never have gone to before. Just go to them and see what's in them. And a lot of places will have seasonal canning stuff um, that don't, it's not like canning supplies are us, right? I mean, it's not like that's all they do. So go ahead and experiment around a little bit and, and find some stores. And grocery stores a lot of time. Yeah. yeah it, those are the ones that are going to get hit the most. Grocery, grocery stores, but sometimes Target, sometimes uh, some of those places that you wouldn't think. If you see canning supplies that you need, you need to grab them. Don't mess around. So folks... Boy, this applies oh, to this show. we're just getting started. We're just getting started. As Benjamin Franklin has always told us over the last several hundred years, and I've said to you a few hundred times, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.